Hello and welcome back to Artistic State of Mind, episode 11 of season 4. Yes. How are you all doing, Not Juliana? Not too bad. I'm Not very too well, bad. thank yeah? you. Yeah. Give, give, give me an update. Talk to the people then. Yeah, I've been all, I've been all right actually. Yeah? You asked me just before and I was like, yeah, I'm good, I think. And yeah, then you think about I'm it. good. I had to had think to about it. Because I think when you ask that, when you answer that question, you just kind of answer it generically. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm fine. Without... Not that you want to be telling people, oh, well, you know, <laughs> life is hard. And, you know, this is what happened to me the other day. Someone pushed me on the train, you know, I was just ready to fight. You, you don't want to do that. Is so that what happened of... to you, though? Someone pushed you on the train, you Yeah, someone fight. did actually push me on the train. <laughs> I was just honest, like, If you're need... not getting pushed on the train, are you traveling? Are you commuting in London? No, but the thing is, like, not to the point where you're pushing and then I'm pushing into other people. And I'm, like, I normally... I normally do like a grunt, but I actually took my headphones and off and said, do you know what? There's no space on this train. You need oh, to relax. Okay, okay, I see what it is. To the point like, where I had yeah. to be vocal. But yeah, apart from that, it's been, you know, it's been a good week. Good. I've, I've moved. Yes, yes. The commute the life, yeah. The commute life is amazing. Good. 40 minutes to work. Can't Ooh, complain. Actually, I'm, I'm low-key jealous of that 40 minutes to work. Oh, it's so amazing. And mine's like double that. And the funny thing is, I thought I might have to stay at work late today. But I was like, actually, I can go home and still come back out and still have. And I had an hour to just chill and then come back out. I was like, must be nice. Life. Must be nice. It's amazing. Yeah. I must say. But yeah. How's your week? Uh, I've, tr- I've tried not to die from stress, basically. That's been my week, if I've been totally and utterly Ooh. honest. <laughs> yeah, it's just things ramping up. Ramping up. Well, somewhat ramping up. Uh, so I have been working for a while with a uh, festival called Afrotech Fest. Mm-hmm. So it is a black run uh, technology festival run by black people for black people in London. It's the first of its kind in the UK and it's going to, it's in its second year. So the festival's in April. Um, wow, it's very close. Yeah, 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 the festival's in April. So I'm like doing marketing and like, PR for them, stuff like that. So um yeah trying to stay on top of that and like i said it's close so you know that and obviously the show trying to keep up with everything that's going on which we're going to talk about in a second yes uh, i've spoiler alert to everyone listening i've done a terrible job for a variety of reasons of keeping up with stuff but sometimes you know two weeks is not enough time to see everything yeah. and watch everything and listen to everything you exactly. want to do yeah uh, and then the nine to five the nine to five has been quite busy as well so it's just been like like today at work i was i don't like admitting that i'm stressed i'm like one of those people if stress is happening i'm like no you don't get stressed you don't deserve to be stressed stress happens blah 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 i don't know what i've got ideas of where that comes from but um yeah i'm very much one of those we don't do stress even though i know better personally i know better so i'm trying to go away from that mindset and at least say you know what i'm a bit stressed that's why i was me at my desk it was like I'm actually a bit stressed. Didn't know anything about it. No, no, I didn't do anything about it. Like just that acknowledgement of it. Yeah. Was very That's the first step of yes, acknowledging yes. that you're stressed yeah. and then kind and, of just being like on. taking a wasser moment. Yes. Juliana, yeah. we're we're not alone in the studio today, are we? We're not alone. We are not alone. We have a lovely uh, guest. I'm sure you've been hearing like the the small little giggles. I mean, I don't know. Have you? No, yeah, well, I have. No, I have, yeah, because we've got the headphones, you know, and stuff. Um so she is an emerging um, theatre maker with a background in acting and a singer-songwriter. 
Um, we heard her amazing voice on Thursday when we went to go see her yeah. show. Um, Becoming is based on her debut album, Forever Becoming, which is also available on iTunes. She also had a TED Talk um, Times, U- is it Houston? I TEDx Houston. TEDx yeah. Houston. TEDx Houston. TEDx Houston. You see, go. I didn't know there was a fancy way of saying it. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how <laughs> you read kinda, it. I, well, well, you know, that goes <laughs> to, to show, fair. you know. Um, so she had a TEDx Houston talk before the stage version, which was developed at Str- Stratford Circus Art Center into its current form. Um, as an actress, she has performed at theaters, including the Royal Court, Oval House, um, Birmingham Rep and the former Tricycle and her acting credits include roles in Rent, um, Hamlet, Twelfth Night, um, Ayolede of Eti. Have I said that right, please? Ayolede of Eti. Ayolede of Eti. Jeez. That's taking me back see, to the show. See, you know, my, my Yoruba is not strong. <laughs> I, I, I should be ashamed of myself. You should be. But you I'm know, not Nigerian, so and I'm Nigerian. I have so, excuses. And my mom is Yoruba, so I'm not really I'm not really doing well right now. Um and Baba Shegi's <laughs> wives. Um and let's have a warm welcome yes, for please. Ayodele Edwards. <laughs> Hello. Hello, welcome to the Asom. I was gonna say couch, but Asom studio slash just everybody's studio, you know, it is what it is. And it's lovely. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes. So how has your week been, Ayodele? My week has been, um, I'm, I still feel tired. I'm still recovering. From the show, this is? From the show, yes. Yes. Because um, I started Monday, school run and life, you know, yeah. as normal. Um, but I'm, I'm a bit tired. Are you, are you close to resting? Have you got like a like a a couple of days where you're just like, I'm just gonna do nothing? Yes, I have, but I find it hard to be still. Oh, I know the feeling. So that's <laughs> that's why I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> so you do have the days off, but you've just not been still. At the moment, yeah, I do oh. have the days off. I feel like it's three birds of a feather sitting in the studio. Oh. Yeah. Four over there because I doubt Mr. Man takes any yeah, days off. No, so. he's even shaking his head like, nah, <laughs> nah day off. Day that? off? Where was, was that? that? Was that? <laughs> Not here, mate. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. But it's good to have you here. Fantastic you. to have you here, yes. for sure. Thank you. So, you get to experience us um, at Artistic State of Mind, what we do, get involved in the conversation, and obviously, we'll talk a bit more about your show, um, which we got to sure. see last week. Um, and we're very excited to kind of like delve into your mind. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so, Chama, what's the downbeat? What's been happening? So, what's the downbeat? This is the part of the show a lot where stuff. we talk about the latest in music, screen, and theatre this week. Yes. I'll do the music real quick because, like I said, I haven't delved into everything the way. Mm-hmm. I usually do mm-hmm. They are new albums uh, Solange When I Get Home She dropped a new album mm-hmm. uh, Dave Who is uh, I've said it on the show before One of my favourite Current UK rappers Would I call Dave Grime Slash Grammar Anyway I don't think he's Grime I don't think he's Grime But Yeah I'll, I'll say no He's not Grime um, But he's one of my favourite UK rappers He's dropped his first uh, His Debut solo Full album uh, psychodrama and Lil Sims, who is um, a very, very highly rated UK rapper and one of my fiance's favorites, actually, dropped a new album, Grey Area. Have I listened to any of them in full? Absolutely not. 
Oh Lord, I feel I so embarrassed. <laughs> I feel so ashamed. And he's the, guy that, he's the, the da- guy that listens to the music. Yeah, yeah, I'm the music guy, especially the Dave one. Actually, I'm so ashamed because I'm in a hip hop um, WhatsApp group. Yeah, it's like the friends in all the other WhatsApp groups, but literally just talk my hip hop, and mm-hmm. they've been going on about Dave's album. Have you had to on mute and them? On and on. Ah, no, it's it's not mute them. It's just like <laughs> it gets to like. 15 messages and then I like, you know you enough. read it like to get rid of the notification yeah. so you click on it so that like ah, I feel like I'm ready even though I haven't <laughs> in it and also I can't jump into the convo they're like rank it amongst your favourite albums um Adele, have you listened to any of those albums? no I've okay. seen posts on them but I haven't seen yeah, yeah. I, haven't I feel so ashamed and you've enough. got an excuse because you've been doing a show <laughs> yeah. I'm prepping for this show <laughs> And still not. <laughs> Let's move on from music quickly, quickly. No, wait, quickly. hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. You haven't even asked me. Oh, I know you haven't. Come on. Let's not Funny enough, games. I actually have. Get, oh. uh, get out of feel? town. What How have you listened to? Well, I haven't listened to Dave. <laughs> You've listened to Solange, right? I've I'm listened to Solange. Solange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, funny enough, Stephen actually was just like, he literally messaged me, the I think the midnight it posted, yeah. um, it dropped, and he's like, enjoy. I was like, Thanks. Um, so I tried to listen to it at work. It feels so I haven't got all the way through it. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's just one big song. Okay. Oh. I don't know. Like I didn't know. At one point, <laughs> it just kind of just flowed together mm. and I realized, oh, I was on track nine. Okay. So I was like, oh, this is track nine. It's not even track number two. Um but I think that that's the vibe okay. that she was going for. It's like a story and it's, mm. you know, there isn't like a, a two second gap where you feel yeah. like, oh, that song's done. Okay. Let Essentially me... a song a song cycle, I think they yeah. call it in the, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. in the album making that's world. That's the vibe I get. Yeah. Um, I honestly, like, it's, 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 it's cute. I shouldn't say that. That's not the right word. Um, it's okay. If you're expecting it to be... Um, what was her last album? A Seat at the Table. A Seat at the Table. It's very, I think it's very different. It's more softer. Mm. It's more kind of like really chilled. Yeah. Um. I feel like you you could have like, you could sit on your sofa, mm. you know, have the fire on. If you're, if you're a cigar smoker, mm-hmm. just sit and watch the fire and listen to Solange's. <laughs> right? See, I've had it as background. <laughs> I've had it as background music at It home. is, that's what I mean. Well, but it wasn't put on as background music. The other half was like legit listening to it. Mm. But I... Was just doing stuff, yeah. And you, you, it could easily it was, be be background yeah. music where you kind of like set in the ambiance for something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm still yet to listen to it fully. I think I just need to give myself the time to do it. Um, but just from kind of like the nine tracks I've listened to, that's quite a lot. I mean, how long is the album? If it's not, it's only thirty nine minutes, okay. so it's not a long album. Yeah. It's not, it's got loads of interludes. Well, you heard my rant about like long albums early in the, so I'm I'm happy that it's not something. I think I wanted a little bit more because with A Seat at the Table, you got some chunkier songs. But that was a, that was a very, how can I put it? A very, like the themes that she was covering in that album were quite intense, I guess. She really dived into the political in that True. album So I feel like it needed that length And the interludes very much added to that theme I don't mind an album that's like over an hour uh, An hour even 10 minutes long If there's a point to it What I don't like is albums are overly long Where we just dash some tracks in there to, I don't like filler Basically mm. All killer no filler That's how I feel I hear that But yes We got the TV and, and, and film 
news to talk about. I could do the BBC one first because I'm going to rant about about Disney. Okay. So let's go to the BBC one, which I think so, is a bit more more interesting. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but BBC and the ITV have joined together to mm-hmm. create their own SVOD. Oh. So basically, they're bringing their own Netflix, um, British version of Netflix called BritBox. Um, lots of people are shaking in their seats. Um, quite a few people don't know if this is going to work. Um, but quite a few people are very optimistic and very excited about it. So they announced it, I think. It's been kind of like in the woodworks and very kind of like quite whispers. But now it's officially being announced and they plan to launch this by the end of the year. Um, so it's basically ITV and um, BBC, BBC slash BBC Studios are coming together to bring basically this basically the Brit box is going to be where British content will live. So you've got all your ITV kind of like archive shows um, from like Downton Abbey and all of that stuff. They plan to put it on there, and with it um with BBC like your two pints of lager packet of crisp, mm. your pram face, all your di- different kind of like. BBC. How's that going to work? That's the interesting part because we pay for Netflix exactly, and that's where and we already pay TV license. TV license. That's the thing. So <laughs> BBC have said it's. It's a commercial thing and the funding for it, it's not coming from the license fee. So it's coming from their commercial investors or whatever commercial side of, you know, how they make their money. So that's where the money is going to come from to obviously have BritBox. But that is the question. You know, a lot of people are like, but hold on, wait a minute. I pay my TV license. Mm. I'm paying for Netflix. You're expecting me to pay for another kind of like streaming service. Like how many already? I'm not going to lie to you. I've got two. Yeah, like I've got Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime, yeah. And then I've got Netflix. If Hulu was available in this country, I would easily do Hulu. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things to add another one. Mm. But then also the question is, what happens to all the British content that's on Netflix, that's on Amazon Prime, our BBC oh, it gets and pulled. IT? It gets oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The same way Disney are pulling all of their content yeah. for but a then remember, uh, streaming service that they are going to pull. So they're just going to pull it. But then Simple remember as. there's contracts and licensing that potentially that uh, Netflix has obviously put together with ITV. And oh, their lawyers will be hashing that oh, all out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not as straightforward, I think. No. Oh, I think, no, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying that in order to have this project even in the works... They'll have the legal kind of ready and prepared. You'll be surprised. Well, this is take. This is someone who's in the industry. Exactly. <laughs> this is taken from somebody who actually works for a broadcaster. Yeah. You know, it's quite interesting to see kind of like the ins what and the, outs. the ins and outs and mm. discussions and stuff like that. So you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see. You know, I think a lot of discussions where what I find on Twitter is. Is this going to be a good thing for new emerging talent? You know, mm. are they, if they're planning to do a Netflix, are they planning to invest in UK British talent when it comes to writing new pe- mm. um, new kind of like shows and stuff like that? So we'll have to wait and see what they plan they're gonna to do. They're going to have to. Otherwise, it's just going to, um, no offense to anyone who might take it, but otherwise it's going to turn into like a UK gold, basically, mm. which is going to be... <laughs> Archives. I like it. Yeah. Which is going to <laughs> which is going to be um yeah, kind of in that sense a bit a bit pointless. They do mm. need to and we've spoken about like Netflix numerous times in the show, but the thing that we like about 
Netflix is in order to basically boost the amount of content that they have and someone can't watch their stuff in like two binges, they need to endlessly have mm. lots and lots of content. So that's a potential positive. I think one of the business reasons behind a move like this is, so have you guys heard of the term cutting the cord in a TV like uh, context? So in America, it's been a thing that's been going on for quite a number of years now, maybe three, four years. Basically people cancelling their... Um, satellite or cable subscription service mm-hmm. to then sign up to multiple subscription um services like signing up for for example signing up for getting rid of their i don't know hbo cable whatever mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. their equivalent of basically sky or virgin and then getting like netflix amazon prime hulu um whichever sort of individual packages fit their watching habits and what kind of content that they want now, that's not a thing that's necessarily permeated in the UK. I've not heard of someone who goes, yeah, I used to have Sky, but I cancelled it because I, I got that. Netflix. Well, enough, whoa, 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 whoa. And my mum just hey, recently did yeah. that. So said, there you go. Well, there yeah. you go. I personally... About three years now. I, I know people who... Well, there you go. I know people who don't have Sky, as in they never had it before, mm-hmm. but are like, say, leaving home and stuff and then saying, well, why do I need Sky for? I've got, mm. you know smart TVs come built in with iPlayer and, yeah. and all those services and then mm-hmm. they get Netflix on top of that and they're like I'm good basically um, I think the only thing which doesn't fit into entertainment that's keeping personally the only thing keeping Sky going the reason I have Sky is sports there isn't mm-hmm. that you can't just like subscribe to individual sports like that But then in saying that Wasn't mm. there a discussion about um, I don't know Was it BT Sports potentially Or one of the I think somebody was talking about How the Premiership Should consider having their own Kind of Oh effort. it's going to happen It's going to happen The NFL in America Have the NFL network um, Where they create their own SFOD Where well, people it, it, stream it is, it is literally their network So in America There's the NFL network WWE, which is like sports entertainment, I've had their own network for a while, which I do have. So yeah, the Premier League is going to happen and more people are going to in the UK cut the cord like Ayodele's already done, like your mom's already done. So I think this is actually them future-proofing and preempting that uh, happening. I think so. what what we can clearly see here is that it's it's becoming slowly the end. And it, well... Of what? Broadcast TV? Yeah, of linear TV. Yeah. Yeah, you know, let's think about it. You know, we are in a society where we want things now. We want things box set ready where I can watch the next episode or it's it's easily accessible. You know, the fact that, you know, you have to wait for something to come on TV next week. There's no sense of excitement for that anymore. Mm-hmm. I think we live in a society or we live in a generation where there's a sense of urgency. I need to see it now. Mm. You know, I want to see it now. So... You know, and and I just think that it's great that they're trying to do... Yeah, is it great that they're trying to do this? It's great that they're trying to do this. But I think what they're trying to do, I think what ITV and BBC Studios is trying to do is trying to compete with Netflix. And I think that... I think it's a little bit too late. Mm. I'm going to be I, I'm gonna be honest with you. It depends on the kind of content they that's create. That's exactly what I was going to say. It depends on the content because... Because um, on Netflix, I watch documentaries. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that, you know, and kind of those quirky shows that you can't get here. Yeah. But it depends on what ITV and BBC decide. So what kind of what kind of documentaries on Netflix? Um, Like the American, well, food, mm. um, crime. Yeah, oh, crime. They do some really good crime <laughs> documentaries. Do really you know, and um, yeah. Mary Kondo, she's like... <gasps> 
the tidy woman. The tidy woman. I really <laughs> tried. I tried watching that. I, I did it's, it's it's too still for me. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> digressing. But yeah, different things. But yeah, it, it depends on what BBC and ITV want to do together. Yeah. But I think there is space to create something that is UK as long as I don't try to be American. For sure. I think what they're trying to kind of like, they mentioned about potentially bringing, um, I don't know whether people are aware, there's like a TV adaptation of like a newer version of Les Mis. Nope, did not know um, that. That they're planning to kind of showcase with that. They've done it already. Yeah, they've done it already, but that's... uh, That kind of... Yeah, that content is what's going to be on there. And see, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's all well and good trying to do that... like that period shit But I'm tired I'm but actually that's the thing. tired Here's the thing Here's the thing You might be But you need to think Like BBC and ITV Both have things That they are very good at uh, ITV I think Are good at the period stuff uh, BBC are very good At your um, my, Me and my sister Call it Your gritty BAFTA Dramas That they love to make You know mm. Typically Gritty Usually crime related But not always uh, BBC Drama They love it They're very very good at it they always draw, even in this age of declining TV, traditional TV viewership, they all draw in big numbers every year with at least one show. So they do have the ability to make stuff that people will watch. But that's the thing. Regularly and, you know, sit down on their TV at a specific time to watch that the whole country ends up talking about. So there's stuff that both broadcasters do well. I was wondering if you're going to say like nature docs and stuff like that because obviously Planet Earth, Blue Planet, all the David Attenborough stuff. Oh, that will probably most likely go on. Yeah, Yeah, and BBC do that better than anyone like literally in the world. BBC do that better than anyone in the world. So there's content that your two broadcasters are very, very good at, Mm. have proved to be very Mm -hmm. successful at. The only thing is... British shows tend to be super short. Like you've got four, five, six episodes and you cannot do that with a streaming service. You've got mm. to come with that 10 episode <laughs> series, that 15 episode series and British shows don't do that. I I, th- I don't know. See, I, I'm still sitting on the fence with it. Mm. I think for me, they've got to do something extraordinary, mm. phenomenal. If you're coming with the same content that you always kind of do, then... Mm, but why not I mean? do what you're I good at? Why not do what you're good, good at? at but then it. people are watching on TV already. So people are going to think, well, if I'm watching this on TV, why am I going to pay seven, potentially $7.99 every month to potentially to watch see. something that I already watch on television? Or, you know, even though they managed to pull it, they might mm. pull it from Netflix. Netflix might be just like, if you're going to pull that content, then we'll just make something mm. that could be equivalently yeah. better. Do and you then, know what I'm saying? And then there's another interesting question there. What do they do with their best content? So say they make another thing on the level of bodyguard or whatever. Do they say, yeah, 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 we're going to put this on BBC on a Sunday every day? Or do we say we put it straight onto the thing? Because that then the whole license fee conversation comes in there. How do they fund new content? Exactly. Because you can't be like, yeah, 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 this is funny. So uh, there's a lot of issues and there's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff. I think they just know? got really excited. They've saw the competition within Netflix and they're just like, how can we get in on yeah, this? Yeah, because it's a whole different model, especially it, when you're mm. taking the license fee exactly. from the BBC I don't think side. They really it's a whole different model. And funny enough, I was reading an article where there's just like, you know, a lot of these broadcasters are trying to be in competition with Netflix, but Netflix is on it. It's in a league of its own. Do you mm. get what I'm saying? True. But I was just thinking about BBC and all the little arms that they've uh, put together, like BBC Pigeon, BBC Mm. Ebo, BBC Yoruba, like all the different, you know, languages. Mm -hmm. And they have 
they may be able to pull something in from from the world from, service from the word, world service. I'd like to think that that's something that's that they shout. would consider. That is a strong, strong shout. I would like is. to think that there's something they're doing that, but already they're not selling that to us. No, they're selling to us. This period drama stuff and archive content, mm. which is all well and good. Mm. But if you're trying to bring in a new market that isn't aware of your BBC world, this is how you pull them in. Discuss what you do as BBC yeah. world and yeah. the content about, you know, because don't get me wrong. There's there's like sh- like small stories that they yeah. kind of like pull you in. I'm like, that's quite mm. gripping for BBC. Stuff like that. They should. Well, there's the film that they're making set in Malawi with uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh wow! Well, so yeah. yeah, we spoke about it previously on the show. Oh, is it the boy that harnessed the boy that harnessed the wind? That's on Netflix. Is that that's on Netflix in America? <laughs> no, it's on Netflix in the UK. Is it actually? Oh. Trust me, it popped up on my Netflix. I was like, Ooh. oh, really? Yeah. Because when we spoke about it on the show, it was supposed to be on Netflix in America oh, it's on, Netflix on BBC. Here. Oh. But it's made by BBC. Well, you know they do like um they co-produce. Well, that's interesting. Well, well yeah. Snatched. But that that's the kind of stuff that. But hold on, it still is the kind of stuff that BBC are gonna pull off Netflix. And put on their thing. No, but then if Netflix have distributed, uh, put money into it, it's it's a co-production. Yeah, it depends on what. So they both own it. Boy, oh, let's we move can on go from in. this. Yeah, it's you know, work, you it's, know. It's, <laughs> we can sit but it's and good, it's good. And try and digest all of this. <laughs> we probably won't it's get a big anyway. move. It is. We'll see. It's we'll a see. bold move. It's a bold move. We'll yeah. see by the end of the year. We'll definitely buy like, let's say, first half of 2020. I think people are definitely going to see how this uh, went on. Yeah, how this pans out. Disney, Juliana, talk to me. Before, okay. Before I let off some steam. Yeah, Juliana's going to let off some steam. But Ooh. funny enough, on the on the TL today on Twitter, um, everyone was just like talking about, oh, has everyone seen the new Aladdin full trailer? So Disney have basically put out, the I think, the first full trailer of Aladdin. I think we've just been seeing like 30 second clips. Oh, so this is the live, is it the live? Live quote unquote live action, live action, um, version of Aladdin. You know, that Disney is doing this whole live action thing. Next, we're gonna get um, Lion King very soon, later on in the year. But Dumbo's coming out soon as well. But for really, they're doing Dumbo, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh my Juliana, God. Juliana, 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 talk quick so I can let off. Okay, <laughs> right now. So, Aladdin, obviously, new trailers come out. It's cute, very picturesque. I'm like, oh, look at the sand. I was like, I'm, I'm quite impressed. And a lot of people, obviously with the, I think the 30 second trailer before, a lot of people were like, hold on, wait. Will Smith is still blue. He looks blue throughout the whole thing. What is going on here? Those people were very unhappy, including Chalma. Chalma was very unhappy about that. Um, but he's not blue throughout the whole thing. I was like, oh, and obviously Will Smith being the comedian, he's small, somewhat funny guy as he is, um, brings the funny element to the genie. And yeah, they decided that they're also going to put the famous song from Aladdin, A Whole New World, to capture us in, to captivate us and be like, oh, guys. And you kind of be like, oh, I should have tear because obviously it's the, the famous song of the film. But yeah. I don't have any views on this. <laughs> I saw Will Smith. I saw a blue Will Smith and Aladdin, but I didn't watch it, the trailer. Because? Um, um gosh, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I I try not to be triggered <laughs> by things I see. So mm-hmm. um I just ignored it. So not to you said it now. Yeah. 
I think that was pretty much me beforehand because I hadn't seen any of the trailers. Mm. Um, I've just literally kind of like went, you know, people talk about it. Oh, well, I watch it my own time. Mm. But I think for, I just happened to have seen it and I was like, oh, it's a longer trailer. Let me have a watch. And I was just like, okay, would I go and see this in a cinema? Probably not. Mm. I'm going to save my coins. It's not that deep for me, to be honest. I've seen the cartoon version. I'm going to stick to the I cartoon I think they're version. just, they're just trying to get the next generation. And this always, is where Charmer yeah. will come in. Okay. This is where he's going to rant. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Firstly, I have no issue with old stories being retold, right? Which is what Disney did originally mm-hmm. with things like uh, um, like Aladdin, uh, like they made remade Beauty and the Beast. These are old stories, fairy tales mm-hmm. being retold, not in their original form, of course, because they kind of sanitized them heavily mm. for a new audience i have no reason with stories no issue with stories being me told i have an issue with literally making the exact same thing again calling it live action by putting actors in certain scenarios because mm-hmm. it's it's not live action like it's just not live action it's heavily animated it's it's not live action if you want to see live action like I said last time I'm writing about Disney, if you want to see live action Disney, go to the West End. Mm. That is live action Disney. Mm. This is nothing but a huge cash grab from a huge company that were once, even up until, I would say 10, 15, 20 years ago, are lauded as for their creativity, lauded for making stuff that was culturally, that penetrated the culture, right? Mm-hmm. It penetrated pop culture, it, even if you hadn't seen or hadn't, yeah, even if you hadn't seen certain bits of Disney, certain Disney shows or Disney movies, you knew of, Disney. You mm. knew of them, right? Yeah. This stinks of the utmost laziness. The fact that they're using the same songs, the fact that you already know they're going to tell the same story, that they're not going to update the story um, for relevant times or with relevant themes. They've got, they're saying nothing new. And thus doing nothing new. They just put and the fact that they put famous faces all the time, every time they do a remake, they're not even standing by the strength of their own stories, the strength of their own product, and say, Yeah, this is gonna stand the test of time. They think, oh, we, we need a big name, we need a Will Smith, or we need who's like Beyonce in the in, in Lion King. Mm. Um there was another big name in the Beauty and the Beast thing. Uh, Emma Watson. Emma Watson was in the Beauty and the Beast thing. You take someone from a huge franchise and put them in a remake. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> so lazy. It's so against any element of creativity. Mm. That is what I hate about it more than anything else. More than they're ruining your childhood. That that <laughs> is a, a minor annoyance in the wider scheme of the type of stuff that we talk about in this show. Really and truly, it is a it is pure laziness from a company that was started by someone who I know people have lots of thoughts of what Disney as a man, but for someone whose whole vision was to create, to still carry his name and his signature as your logo and do this, just spits of the antithesis of everything that Disney should stand for. Like it doesn't make any sense to me that this seems to be their uh, modus operandi now. And the fact that they now I'm thinking, what is a great film that they've made, an animated film that they've made that they're now just going to remake and quote unquote call live action? Where does it stop? Because 
They might as well, they're, they're doing it. They're going through the entire back catalog of classics. So the Little Mermaid now has to come a live action ver- version where we see what? Real mermaids? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I hate the laziness of it more than anything else. I think to be honest with you, I I completely get what you're saying. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think it's one of those things where there's a, there's a, a, they want to remain relevant. So make okay. relevant stuff. But that's take the thing. Cre- take creative risks. And the thing is, you are Disney. Do you know what I mean? Like just by the, the sheer weight of you being Disney, you have your name to fall back on. Do you know what I mean? You've got you. For me, the last culturally relevant thing they made was Frozen, so they can still make new. Did they not make Moana? Oh my god, and Moana, Moana. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Moana was? I liked Moana. It was Mm -hmm. a cute film. They can still do it. So why put so many resources into this? It doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't get it in any way, shape, or form. I don't. But I remember there being um, is it? Sleeping Beauty from the 50s And a lot of those stories are just remade That's the point I was saying they, That they are remade stories These aren't original stories So I don't have a problem with it Obviously they didn't make Like the Brothers Grimm's version Of those stories mm. They retold them They rehashed them They made them Quote unquote Well not They made them more sanitized basically yeah. They weren't the exact stories That they made Because that's the nature of inspiration Taking an old story And retelling it now That would be literally like me going Oh, don't make films that are based on I don't know the Bible because mm. it's already been told. That's that's stupid. Mm-hmm. What I don't like is that you've literally you're telling the exact same story again with no new fresh take on it, no new creative take on it, no new angle on it. Like theater, we like there's three theater people here. Mm. Theater is always remade, but a different director, different cast, uh, sometimes even a different setting, even just by casting different actors from a different. Ethnicity or sexuality mm. or or age or something can reshape the story. Sometimes you can change the tone of the story to tell it in a totally different way. Um, they're not doing that. They're making it live action to make it seem like they're doing something new, but they're just telling the exact same story in the exact same way that's going to hit the exact same beat and using the exact same songs. Because the kids so are going to go. Ex- the kids are going to. Yeah, the go. kids are going to go. But in terms of like creativity, in terms of business, I get it. In terms of creativity, I don't, and it's super sad to me because they are supposed to be like you know industry leaders, supposed to be the world mm. leaders in this field, and it's just nonsense. It's bullshit to me. But let's like, be honest, it's 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 every it's every business's model to. To basically do what they've done before, but rebrand it and reshape it, and that's what they're doing. You'll say if it's not broken. But we're in the creative industries, though. We're supposed to we create like it's supposed but to mean something. True. Being in the creative industry is supposed to mean something. Live Even action at that top. Oh, please. Ah, <laughs> oh, the next time I see a flipping live action Disney, I will go off worse than this. Like it's always oh, coming. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything anymore. In, in terms of creativity And that is That's sad to me Even at that High Hollywood Billion dollar industry level There still should be Some level of Creativity And artistic integrity To what you're doing And there isn't here hmm. I hear that At all So That's my thoughts What's next? Um, now this one Is a very Once I get my My screen is doing its own thing Bear with me guys um, This one's a quite a serious subject Yeah um, And obviously we want to 
I think we want to take into account, you know, the discussion around it. Mm. And everything that we do discuss is based on our opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll try and be, we'll try and bring some facts as much as we yeah. possibly can. Um, but obviously we have to bear in mind, you know, the victims that have come forward. Yeah, and we don't usually do this, but we should probably timestamp this. So if anybody, we're going to talk about uh, Michael Jackson briefly. And obviously if anyone yeah, wants to miss this, we should timestamp it so they can basically skip this whole discussion. And go to the rest of the podcast Because yeah. not everyone To be honest with you I haven't watched a documentary So yeah, have, it's not it. even a, It's not even kind of like I can sit here and yeah. tell you What the documentary is about I think You know We're going to talk about the fact That it's been a discussion mm. um, Obviously it's come out now mm-hmm. um, There's been a lot of Discussions about it mm. And it brings I think I think a lot of people Are kind of Talking about What does this mean for Michael Jackson's legacy What are we doing What are, what are people's takes um, You know There's a lot of and I, There's a lot of speculation On whether the information given in this documentary Is true, again it's not my opinion It's, you know there's just been a lot of discussion Yeah. So as you guys Are, are probably most likely aware um, There was there was a kind of like a speculation last year around Sundance Film Festival about a documentary about Michael Jackson coming out. Um, and a lot of people kind of said, this is going to change the conversation mm. about people's views and opinions on Michael Jackson and, you know, what their thoughts will be. So it's been, I think it's been co-produced by Channel 4. No, Channel 4 distributed it in the UK and it's also produced by HBO. Um, so it was, um, it aired, I think in HBO, maybe about last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. And it aired in the UK. And the UK last last week. week. So it was split into two. So it was an hour and a half each, um, each part. Um, and it's based on two accounts of, um, obviously two guys who were in the company of Michael Jackson and who spent quite an amount of time with Michael Jackson and they've come forward and basically spoken about, you know, their relationship with Michael Jackson. And it also includes, um, I think, the accounts of the parents of those two boys, um, well, who are now men. Um, And just kind of going... I think just as soon as I heard, and this is this is how I felt, I'm going to talk about my feelings. Um, when I knew that there was a documentary coming out about Michael Jackson and, and with everything that happened with the R. Kelly thing, I was very strong. Even before that documentary, I refused. I stopped listening to R. Kelly because obviously I knew, I think as an adult... And, you know, doing my own research and hearing about the things that R. Kelly did, I was just like, no, I'm not going to listen to this man's music. His music is tied with his behavior. I'm literally deleting his music, any form of whatever, I'm getting rid of it. I think I pretty much was just like, and someone brought it to my attention. What about Michael Jackson? I was like, well, you know, Mm. I was like, well, I don't know. You know, he was, you know, he was found not guilty or, you know. And as was R. Kelly. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. I think I was just warped into the moment where, you know, Michael Jackson's a legend. He's, he wrote all this great music. Whatever. As R. Kelly. Well, um, <laughs> so I was just like, hmm. Then that particular person who happens to be in the studio as well, 
brought it to my attention. I was like, hmm, you're probably looking at who I'm talking about. And he knows who he's talking about because <laughs> he's smiling. I was like, hmm, I don't know. Then afterwards, when I heard about the documentary coming out, it made me really think about the stories that maybe I was too young to realize about Michael Jackson to kind of bring it to my radar. And I slowly stopped listening to Michael Jackson's music. I was just like, I'm a bit unsure. My feeling is that, you know, certain things, certain behavior, behavior things that we saw before he passed had an element of truth that I maybe kind of like, I guess, kind of just like, didn't want to take into accountability kind of like you know we heard some stories we heard that you know Michael Jackson was very different you know he had you know uh, you know uh what's what's a a traumatizing childhood yeah for sure and all of that kind of stuff and I guess I was just like well you know his music is great I saw that matters then eventually I was just like if I I can't be a hypocrite because I've sat there and said I do not listen to R. Kelly because of this, 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 and this. I can't sit here and listen to Michael Jackson knowing that potentially, even though he was found not guilty, but there are victims out there that have spoken out and said, this is what Michael Jackson did to me. I can't sit here and listen to his music and be like, bopping down to the streets of Michael Jackson thinking, oh my God, beat it, it's so great. You know, that's how I feel. So at the moment, I don't want to watch the documentary. Because, um, not because I want, like, I don't know enough already. I know enough already. I think I've just got to bring myself to now, kind of like, Juliana. Yes, this man had a legacy. But then he's also human. Mm. And humans do bad things. The humans definitely mm. do bad things. And that. And sometimes is... you just have to accept that. And sometimes you just kind of be like... I've got to let that go. Not let it go, like in a way. I've got to let that whole narrative of him being a legacy go. Yeah. I'd accept that, you know, Michael Jackson, maybe not who everybody wants Michael Jackson to be in their minds. Um, I think it's important to talk about uh, the fact that as things stand now, not to defend anyone, mm-hmm. um, the 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 stories of the two gentlemen in the program are disputed. I believe, if not both, then at least one of them did testify in the 2005 trial Mm -hmm. uh, to say Michael Jackson did not abuse them. And obviously their story has changed now Mm -hmm. and their different expert opinions. There's obviously opinions on both sides as to why that is that that story has changed. Um, And obviously legal implications to that, Mm -hmm. because if you did testify and then say you didn't, obviously that is legal. Um, And... I think it's important when I was kind of researching, I personally didn't watch the show because I, quite frankly, could not co Like, I could, I, I didn't... Not that I didn't want to hear it about Michael Jackson. Like, I like Michael Jackson. I wouldn't say he was like my hero or anything like that, but I do like his music. It was more after the R. Kelly stuff, you know, still being fresh. I did watch the R. Kelly, uh, Surviving R. Kelly documentary in full... And then last week I listened to a very good podcast discussion about it from Don't Alert the Stands. We attacked it in a very mature way, which helped me inform how I think we should do it. And I think we're doing it in that kind of same way as well. Um, I think that it's important to, for me anyway, it's important to think about like when I was researching the facts. Like I said, I didn't watch it because it was just all too much for me. Um, 
but I did read about it and one one thing of all the facts that are there are two things that stand out. One, the fact that he did pay off um his uh his accusers in his original uh sexual assault case, which was in ninety two, I believe. Might have been ninety four, but between those two years, his original sex uh um sexual assault case um against children did come out and he did pay huge amounts of money. Uh, and his defense was he didn't want this to be something that gets dragged through court. His career in America never recovered from that. He like barely ever performed a huge show uh, in America to the magnitude that he had before. Um, so he recovered, but not fully recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, around the world, though, it didn't have as much of an impact. Then the 2005 trial came about. That's the one that I think most people do remember. Mm. And one of the reasons that came out was from another documentary, the last documentary about Michael Jackson, whilst he was living and willingly, you know, making a documentary was the one with Martin Bashir living Michael Jackson, where he mm-hmm. admitted uh, that as a an adult man, he shared his bed with uh, underage children, underage boys exclusively. Um, and we all know that. Like, I remember I watched that live with my parents, um, I don't know if either of you guys watched it, but we I did, we, it, we yeah. saw and heard Michael Jackson with his own mouth say that he would go to bed with underage children who were not his children. Mm. Um, so that in and of itself, you know, does does that mean he sexually abused them? Um, no, but but I didn't mean that's what he maintained mm. uh, throughout the whole time he was living. That was innocent, but certainly not the kind of behavior that for most people is indicative of. Now, obviously, I don't know everything about the kind of behaviors and criminality and, and yeah, all the behavioral patterns of a sexual abuser, but there's certainly, I guess it's very much a no, it's become a very much no smoke without fire type of thing. You've had two cases go to court, one that was paid off, one where you're found uh, not guilty. You've had uh, numerous family members. You've had a pattern of, the people who've uh, accused you of abuse essentially being teenage boys. So there's a pattern. We're not getting like, unless these stories aren't making the news, we're not getting teenage girls. We're not getting um, overage women saying, oh, Michael Jackson, you know, Mm. abused that age range. So that's a common thing. Like with R. Kelly, you got a certain demographic Demographic. uh, of who was targeted. So yeah, there are some, whether or not, you believe Michael Jackson was a uh, child sexual abuser. There are definitely some certain behaviors, behaviors that yeah. he himself admitted to, which you still then need to address, address. with yourself yeah. in terms of how you feel about that. Because I think most people listening to this podcast and most people who, if hearing that fact, as in what he admitted, uh, retold to them, would say that's wholly inappropriate behavior. I wouldn't expect that from any man I knew. I definitely wouldn't allow that for my own children or any children mm-hmm. that I knew. I would report such behavior mm. if I was to know that it was happening around anywhere around me. So you have to then admit to that and say, he's a human who lives in the same, who lived in the same world with the same laws and mm-hmm. the same morals as the rest of us. Mm. So what are we going to do with that? Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, it's important not to ever put any artist on so high of a pedestal. Oh, absolutely. That act mm. of, and, and, and a real reason why it's important is 
these cases that are coming out now, I, I only found out like very much in the kind of age that I am now that this has been a regular thing in Rock and Roll. Like when Little Richard died, I remember there was like a little, like a two second, not two seconds, but like a five second thing at the end of his news obituaries where, yeah, and he always had these stories of him basically committing endless statutory rape. Um, there was another huge American rock star, I, I forget his name, who, again, like, he thinks he's married, he's like underage cousin or something really weird. Um, Elvis, Presley, Elvis Presley, who met Priscilla Presley when he was an adult and she was like 14, 14 years old. Yeah. And all of this stuff goes... Woody Allen. To- yeah. <laughs> Let's not get started with, with that one. But all of this stuff goes unchecked in the entertainment, in the music, film, think, entertainment and industry. And because of that, that, that time... I think we're in a time where people are really kind of taking things and yes. looking at things for what it is and thinking, hold on, yes. something's not right here. And and my point is it's important that the Michael Jacksons, the R. Kelly's now don't turn into the Little Richards, which is if you hear about Little Richard, even now, people still like, people will use his name to like black people for example use little richard to defend somebody who says oh rock and roll is white music they'll say no i'm a little richard <laughs> but then you talk, talk to them about arcade and you go cancel him disgusting do you know what i mean you see what i'm saying that mentality of we divorce those acts from those people and yeah. they live on posthumously as nothing mm. but legends you know mm. I mean, those are the people who in that's the mentality for uh, that in 30 40 years will have you know, uh, a 15-year-old who never walked the same earth as Michael Jackson saying, oh, you think X and white, white boy is the king of pop? i tell you about the real king of pop. It was Michael Jackson, blah, 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 blah. If you don't address this, that same mentality will have these legacies living on unchecked despite numerous people at the time knowing what these people did. So that's mm-hmm. my personal point of view, why it's so important that we know about the legacies of people who, quite frankly, mm. shouldn't have legacies at all, mm. that go unchallenged, unchecked. Oh, yeah, we know. Like, it seems everybody knows that Elvis met his wife when she was severely underage. Mm. Um, and no one cares. Neverland, Elvis tribute shows that happened. I've worked at a theatre that had multiple Elvis tribute shows and no one batted an eyelid. And this will happen for the artists all coming out now if we do not totally change our relationship with these artists based on what the men behind them have done. That's literally my whole take. What's your thoughts, Ayadela? Wow. It's um it's a minefield because I feel like people know what's going on mm. and they never say anything. Mm. So whenever stuff comes out, I remember being uncomfortable about the whole R. Kelly thing years ago mm. because of Aaliyah. Yeah. Um and when we heard that they were married, it was like, how is that possible? And mm. is that allowed? Um, and then at some point, somebody makes a decision that I'm going to ruin you now. And this is the time for it to come out. Mm. But it needs to be that it it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Yeah. The whistle needs to be blown like, like, from the very from beginning. The onset, because yeah. then it's like, what are we, why are we covering is it because of like people that are being paid? What is it? Why it's it has- power? It's money. It's the. I think the big guys in control and saying actually, there's still something here that we can invest in. Right. There's still something. There's 
there's still there's still a way we can get money from this particular person, I guess. And I'm thinking that no, I think you're totally right. I think you're bang on with that one. Um, like these people who are dead, like an Elvis Presley, for example, his estate still is worth in, in ridiculous amounts of money. Mm. And the same way, Michael Jackson's estate is still worth a ridiculous amount of money. I think that's one element of why is uh, the financiers and the people who can make money off that. Mm-hmm. But I think another one is just as human beings, the allure of power, fame, the allure of being attached to something that you know what do we call famous we call them stars we call them mm. superstars mm. we we elevate them to the level of celestial beings i remember one quote when michael jackson died said in the world of superstars he was the sun that's how we view wow celebrities that's that we essentially turn them into these celestial beings i think what we forget is we turn people into superstars. We make them superstars we want to believe that it's something innately special about them you know this incredible childhood talent that you know mm. somebody had as a five-year-old boy or in the case of r kelly someone who could write a, a, incredibly sexual songs and incredible spiritual songs mm. i'm a huge prince fan and i'm i'm you know no stranger to like uh standom do you mm. know what i mean like i cried when he died i went to his exhibition at the o2 i cried then um but you know all of us to some extent are victims of that we can probably all in this room mm-hmm. think about someone who we probably idolize to a level that is, quite frankly, above human. But we all forget that we put them there. You know, mm. no one is born innately, I know, ultra human, despite what we want to believe, we put them there. And I think on that social level as to why people allow people to get away with this, because we aren't all paid off. You know mm. what I mean? People who defend Michael Jackson, they're it's not true. on the payroll. Yeah. You know, it's it, it is a slither. It's a minority of people who are on the physical payroll, who have something to gain mm. from, you know, Michael Jackson, R. Kelly, and who would fight tooth and nail to defend you against Elvis Presley. Oh, it was just the times. That was just the times, whatever. It's that, that allure of... A, oh, it's that allure that. Of, of, of fame <laughs> that we, as I guess, need to also... Uh, Addressed as a society. Yeah, but I think it's different for white people. Um, I think as black people, I think there's two elements to it. One, there is the allure of fame existing. Because I think we are still like, if you look for one example, I can easily point to in uh, a lot of black communities is uh, pastors. Hmm. And how in a lot of communities, Boy. they get put yeah. on this superhuman level mm. so we're not oh, me, a, mm. exempt from it um but i think another thing for us particularly black people in the west is these are our heroes in a way that they they mean mm. something to mm, us in a way that they don't i think r kelly more than michael jackson um because various things about michael jackson but i think r kelly a lot of it is he means particularly to african-americans mm. but we I think it was me and Satya uh, when you were away had this conversation. Mm. He means so much more to the average African-American than he does to the average white American. I'm sure with Michael Jackson, you still have the people mm. saying, oh, but this is, you know, uh, the takedown of a black man. You know, we saw it with the OJ trial. If anyone followed it or read, the, read or watched stuff about it subsequently, it became this racialized thing who, look, we, I think everyone there knew, everyone certainly knows now, he was a murderer. But okay. when these things come out, even Bill Cosby, there were lots oh of people gosh. who said, oh, Bill Cosby was going to buy NBC and they stopped, stopped a black man. From, yeah. They stopped a black man from finally getting real power in the industry in America. Are, That's... 
uh, another element of I it. I don't want to. I don't want to generalize, mm. but I think we we love a conspiracy theory. We love a oh, but he was trying to do well, this. Well, well, well. I will say I don't, this. I'm, I don't want to generalize, mm. but that's the feeling I get. It's just like. The, the, like you said, why now? Mm. Why is it that we? Yeah, and that's what. I mean, no. there, there is previous though. There is previous. Listen, yeah, the the American government tested. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, t- tested like what syphilis it was on on black men. Mm-hmm. There's been so much that the American government have done to black people. Mm-hmm. So it's not a stretch to say, hey, they want to take this one man down. It's not a stretch to go True. to that. But at the same time, um, I think it's... sometimes, you know, if there, if there are accounts there of people talking about mm. their experience and, you know, they're, you know, the things that they've gone through, mm. then why not take that mm. as gospel rather than, you know, sit there, well, you know, this and this and this and that doesn't add up. And da, people, da, 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 da. people want to conflate, people want to conflate the truth with their idea of the truth. That's, it's that simple. And the idea of the truth, like I'm like my opinion anyway, is interwoven with ideas of celebrity, with ideas mm. of uh of of racism and racial justice, with ideas of people rising above racism and racial justice through their God-given talents. Mm. I think there's a lot of stuff that we need to complain that we need to then address and say what's what here is based in facts mm. and what is based in what I want to see in the world, the way I want to see in the world versus how the world is. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So uh, unless just, we've got any more to say, I think we can briefly, move move on to the uh, stuff. Just quickly before yeah. we move on. So in since the documentary has come out, um, Michael Jackson's music has obviously seen sales and streaming decline. Mm-hmm. Um, the Simpsons have removed an episode. Um, I think it's the nineteen ninety one episode. Yeah, very famous um, episode, yeah. Where obviously Michael Jackson's in that, so they've removed that. Um, episode um, Radio stations are pulling Michael Jackson music So radio stations in New Zealand and Canada Have announced they will stop playing Michael Jackson's music um, As a, an assumed response to leaving Neverland um, and Lon- London buses run MJ Innocent ads Now I haven't seen these ads So I am i don't know But an org- organisation of Michael Jackson defenders Ran two separate ads on the side of London buses one um, had a picture of Jackson with the word innocent. Um, and then also his estate have gone on to release a concert film on YouTube. Um, I think the first part, it was 20 minutes after the first part of leaving Neverland, um, leaving Neverland um, premiered and they released that on YouTube. Um, there was also going to be a Michael Jackson musical, which has cancelled its test run. And after saying that, the my, the Jackson estate have obviously sued, initially sued HBO. Well, did kind of like bring out a lawsuit against HBO to block a- the airing of the doc. But obviously, the doc was was aired. Was aired. <laughs> so. Um, so it's had an impact. Yeah, a real it's had impact. An impact. It has. on both ways. That both ways. that Michael yeah. Jackson's innocent. That that is that power. Of, that's that wow. draw of celebrity. But a whole big right bus. there. <laughs> yeah, but that's what time. I'm saying. The draw of celebrity. <laughs> Listen, people used to faint at his concert. It's mm. true. Do you know what I mean, people get carried out. Like, and that like I go back to that quote in in a world of superstars, he was the son. So but I saw a um, uh, I saw an wasn't an advert, but they were talking about. Jermaine Jackson, mm. he's getting married. 
he's 63 and his girlfriend is 23. Oh, what? Yeah. And I just, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's time to talk about theatre. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we could really sit is. here and, and delve and in. I really, I really would rather not. <gasps> but anyway, to be frank. moving on to a more yeah. somber and lighter note. Um, yeah. The Olivier Awards. Um, We're back to awards. <laughs> oh, God, I know. I told you. Oh, you said, Jesus. "Oh, the awards are done. No more awards." We've spoken about awards for like I think every one of the last five episodes. Wow. So I thought we we're done, and then Olivier's just came and snuck their way yeah, back in. Yeah, so they've announced. I can't we be quick, please? <laughs> so they've announced, but obviously, you know, let's let's where let's give respect though. Let's exactly. also give respect. We talk we're we're a podcast that talks about theatre, music, <laughs> <laughs> film no, we, we, screen. Yeah, and, you know. So obviously, the Olivier's is one of those kind of like awards that's you know seen as serious within kind of like the theatre kind of the theatre sphere. Um, well, it's it's basically I would say it's our our BAFTAs, no? Yeah, mm. yeah, something like that. Well, yeah, I would say definitely that. Yeah. So, um, so there's a couple of a couple of nominations which were like, hmm, cool, and the others were like, huh, <laughs> you know. So um, we won't go into too much. It's just there's a long list mm-hmm. of you know names, and we won't delve into it. So I think one that was quite interesting was Best New Play. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, nominations in that category is the inheritance that was at the Young Vic, then went on to transfer at the Noel Coward Theatre in the West End. Um, the the Lehman Trilogy, which was also which was at the National Theatre, and I think um, was also transferred to Broadway. Um, Misty at Trivago Studios come on, one, come on, which was originally. Can we give props to the Bush first? Yeah, because that's what's yes. important, rather than it being in a West End, like you know, Bush Trivago Studios. Yeah. No, Bush. Let's be real. Um, and Sweat at the Donmar Warehouse, which I went to go and see. So some good names there. Speaking but, of the Bush, that was directed uh, by um, Lynette, wasn't it? Um, Sweat. Yeah. yeah Yeah Who now runs the bush Who now runs the bush Exactly Yeah so that's a good like Props there So who who do we reckon's winning Well based on on what Because I, I haven't seen any of these But based on the hype I've seen A lot of people will be upset If Misty doesn't win A lot of people I know Will be really upset If Misty doesn't win I'm going to tell you I have a feeling who might win who, 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 What do you think is going to win The Inheritance Okay Or Sweat You Maybe. reckon Sweat is going to win Sweat is a good play you seen Sweat? Yeah. Okay. Oh. I would take your word on that. Have you seen Sweat? No. Misty? Misty, yeah. Mm. Misty wasn't on my top five for last year, so that's why. Wow. I'm yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't. wasn't on my top it wasn't. Five. Yeah, I remember. It was an that. enjoyable yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Like I really enjoyed it and mm. I saw the acclaim to it. But I think for me, I saw other things within that year that kind of gripped me more. Um, I think it was great for a new new piece of writing Mm -hmm. that's very fresh and is the word innovative yeah Mm -hmm. i get it but i was just like "Mm." i was like yeah that's nice um but i think the inheritance the inheritance might take it that's just my opinion but you know um best actor best actor speaking of of um misty misty um arenze is in this one um, so he's been nominated for Best Actor. Um, I always say his name wrong. 
Is it Alan or Ian? Ian McKellar. Ian, Ian McKellar. Yes. I always get the Ian and Alan. I don't oh. know what my brain does this weird thing um, for King Lear at the Duke of York Theatre. Someone who saw that said that it wasn't a good play. They were quite disappointed. Ooh. Yeah. Because I think they kind of put Ian on a kind so, of... So Ian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, they were like... Oh, in, in the British acting world, he is... He's I think like, it, just in the acting as, world, yeah, he is. Yeah, seen as like... Phenomenal. The the level that and I think they were quite dis- to be. disappointed. Um, <laughs> who else was nominated was um Adam Goodley. Is it God Adam Godley, yeah, Ben Godley. Miles, and Simon Russell Beale for the Lean um trilogy, um Kyle Soller for the inheritance at the Young Vic and No Um Coward Theatre. I found that quite interesting because they mentioned Young Vic and the No Clark. And no coward No coward wow, wow. for the inheritance But they did mention the bush but the bush, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah That's interesting That's, That's what happens yeah, yeah. yeah That's super interesting Isn't it just hmm. um, We won't go into um, What else can we go into Because we want to quickly go into Whatever, whatever Musical Tina no. got nominated for best musical Our uh, Best comedy uh, yes. Nine Night got nominated in best comedy Yeah, Which cool. people who saw it were like It wasn't a comedy it so, wasn't a comedy. It no. wasn't a comedy. Yeah, yeah. But they got a nomination. But they got a nomination. So what are you going to do? Take it for the culture? Oh, see, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. Comic elements does not make something a comedy. No. Unless there's black people in it, I guess. Uh, <coughs> but we won't go into that. Yes, one. we will talk now. Finally, the focus is... I was going to say on this side of the room, but no one, no, no one knows. Is going to know what this side of the room this is. Delhi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're going wow. to talk to you now. So, um, firstly, we both saw, as we mentioned at the top of the, of the program, we both saw your show uh, Becoming yeah. last uh, week. Yes. Jules, do you want to kick off on your thoughts or shall I? Um, I can kick off on my thoughts. <laughs> yes, as a British um, Nigerian woman. As a British Nigerian <laughs> woman, um. I the thing is with me I, when I go and see a show I try not to read about anything I try and go right. in there you know as you know not oblivious but as kind of like open and engaged as possible mm-hmm. um I think that's the best way of kind of like um taking like theater in for me um so I was really excited to kind of see the show and I haven't been to the theater well, I, I don't think I've been to the theater this year I, I, lie. I don't know I can't remember um, But I was excited to come back to the theater And see a show and stuff like that And it was really interesting Especially myself You know currently trying to write A piece based on um, A Nigerian woman's experience mm. um, But more on identity and her sexuality So kind of going into the space um and seeing you kind of like produce um make something that you know resonated with me especially kind of like having the cross the cross cultural culture mm-hmm. it's telling for a lot of women um you know especially being first generation british nigerian you kind of like you know i love my culture I'm, i you know my culture is me but then i'm also british mm. and it's like but then at the same time i don't fit into britain but then if I go to Nigeria, I don't fit into Nigeria because they're looking at me like, ah, you foreigner, I know, you know, I can tell you, uh, you know, straight away without even me saying a word, mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, I understood the kind of like, you know, pulling from one and then pulling at the other and kind of being like, oh, 
Like, who am I today? Not who am I today, but you know, having that feeling of. Well, there was a song about that, wasn't there? In 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 that who am I today theme in the show. Like, Ayodele's laughing because she knows <laughs> the exact song that I'm talking about, which was so funny. Oh like, I'll, I'll say for real, that was one of. Like one of the parts of the play I definitely enjoyed the most. Yeah, so I think for me, what I'm, was what was the other name? It was I your Joyce? Joyce, Joyce, that's it, Joyce. <laughs> Do you know what? That's I, the, when I heard that, I was like, Do you know what? I get it. I understood it. I even without kind of like thinking, but why? Mm. But I know, even like to this day, when I actually think about it, like my surname is a double barrel surname, so I have. Um, an African, my my first part of my surname is African and the other part is an English surname, I guess. Um, and it was a decision I made. I don't know whether it's based on my experiences or things that I felt like, you know, because of that particular attachment to, you know, being Nigerian, I might not, no one might look at my CV or, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things that we experience as, you know, Black British or even just Black people in general in this country um, I just kind of was just like It was my dad's surname But my dad when he first came to this country Which is quite a story that he actually told me When he was in Nigeria His name was two English names So his first name is English And his surname was English But they said to him If you go to, if you go to England You can't have two English surnames Because you're a black man And they were you know, it's kind of like a white man thing. Mm-hmm. So he just plucked off this name that his it's his dad's middle name as an as a surname and then made his kind of like he put his original surname as his middle name, if that makes sense. Right. Um so I was just like, Well, technically that's not really my surname, but my surname's English. So, you know, I'm just gonna add that, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to kind of feel like yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to kind of feel like, oh yeah, I'm British and you know, I got this name. But it didn't shape who I am. But mm. then I can understand. I understood the reason why, you know, you named yourself Joyce. Mm. It came as something like a light bulb moment. Like I've experienced that without having to kind of like think about it. And I felt like a lot of the things you were talking about is very much an experience that a lot. And I can only speak for myself that I've kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, faced and stuff like that. The whole kind of like, you know... Being in school and you being cussed for being African by you know other people that are also black and you're just like, mm, oh, but wait so a minute! Confusing. I'm so glad you spoke about that one. But yeah, wait a so minute, glad. we both black. Like, do you know what I mean? And that was a thing that really troubled me in school mm. to the point where you think that you don't want to tell people. Like it got to a point where even when I was young and you know you date guys. When they ask you what country you're from oh, I'm just from London You don't really say And it's just like I was dimming mm-hmm. my culture yeah. Because it felt like my culture wasn't Or my country wasn't accepted Because it wasn't the in thing Now don't get me wrong I love being from Nigeria You know, do you know It's fashionable saying? now it, And that's the thing it, it, it's, it's become It has become <laughs> fashionable The whiskey done them day. there do you know what I mean? Yeah. When they decided to bring out, it was like Afrobeats, yeah, I can do the Shaku on the beat. Let me do yeah, a little yeah. thing there, you know. Yeah, I can do it. I'm African now. Do you get what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people, it, like you said, it's the in thing, but mm. a lot of people are um, identifying with their roots now yeah. and really kind of educating themselves. Whereas the previous generation is pretty much, well, you know, we came and, you know, 
I won't go there, but you know, this is what we came from mm-hmm. and this is who I identify as. But I think this generation's kind of like, no, we need to educate ourselves. Mm. But anyway, I was digressing. Um, but I love the kind of like the the the, the mini stories of like what you had gone through and how a lot of women, um, including myself, you know, really resonated with it. Um, I also like the the use of Yoruba. I think Yoruba is a beautiful language when it's not said too harshly. <laughs> <laughs> when it's not coming with such rage. <laughs> yeah, and I just think, and the way you spoke, I was like, oh, this is my language. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, it sounds so amazing. And I was sitting there like, I understand this. And I could see Chama like, awesome. I don't understand this. And at some point, <laughs> at some point I was just like, should I should I translate? I was like, no. Nah. Nah. It's, it's not, there's no point, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was kind of like my thoughts of it. Like I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I don't know if it's there's at some point where whether you decide to develop it more and take it around. I think it's a story that, you know, I just naturally think any black woman's story needs to be told. Mm. And we need to hear it. So I'm for it. But anyway, I've waffled. Your turn. Thank sorry. You. Yeah, no, my thoughts out trying to be more concise. <laughs> <laughs> um so a few the things I Genuinely loved like the, the exact same thing about being able to like uh, resonate as uh, 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 an African migrant. I was actually born in Zambia, so a lot of the stories of being an African migrant into this country, going to school in this country, and that being torn between uh, two cultures thing. I love how the show started. I never clocked that you basically it started. With, <laughs> I guess not a spoiler. You in the audience singing and giving out chocolate with your balloon. Yeah. Um, I love the use of the prop of the balloon as well. I thought that was really, yeah. really cute. Generally, I thought the show was just really, really like, you said cute isn't the word, but I found it was a really cute um, retelling of essentially a girl growing up uh, between two worlds and a girl's kind of becoming a woman, um, becoming, ha ha ha, a girl becoming a woman torn between two worlds and obviously those aspects of the relationship between uh, your partner and your father that kind of also challenge like other elements that come into being, you know, um, a woman torn in two worlds. And I guess the first question is, uh, could you tell us more about like your, how becoming Became, became a thing. Yeah, how becoming became Chase. <laughs> what? We well, um, it's really interesting because for a long time I thought there was something wrong with me. And that's the honest truth. I just I used to write down my thoughts mm. and I was in a group, which I didn't actually mention in, in the play, but I was in a group and we were a gospel group. We did I did that for about 10 years. And when that group came to an end, um, I was lost. Like, what am I going to do with myself? Even though I'd been an actor um, and doing shows and stuff, mm. I just felt like there was something more that I was supposed to do, but I didn't know how to kind of grasp it. So my husband said, you need to just do your album. Mm-hmm album me and he's like what topics do you do you want to talk about what what would you like your first album to be about I was like I don't know should I do a gospel album because I sing in church and um when I went away with that thought I felt like I needed to be quiet and find out what it is I was supposed to be um recording and the songs that came to my mind, I found quite depressing because it was like my dad wasn't there. It's like all the stuff I talk about in the show. 
Um, and we had had some kind of family stuff going on and I'd written one song about my sister and I was just, I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to want to listen to this stuff. But um, he's a producer, so we put music to it and it was cool. But when I did the launch of the album, I wanted to bring out some of the elements of the story. So instead of just having like a full-on rock concert or a concert with the album launch, I did stories and song. And the stories were inter interspersed within the, um, the music. And then... I was invited to the TED Talk and I took one element of the story out, which was like the whole changing your name part. And a friend of mine saw that and said, um, if you want to develop this into a solo show, I can help you. Because he'd just done one about his own life. And he just said, bring everything you have so far. And all these writings, it came from a journal um, wow. of all the stuff that I had put down, the ideas, you know, where I just scribbled, um, lighter is better or just certain conversations that I'd heard because there was a point where I heard some uncles say, oh, you know, um, I don't find dark girls attractive. And it's funny because those things will kind of just stick on you. You don't even realise, mm. you know. Um, so I wrote that in the book and, and, and then we just started workshopping. Like we get into a room. I just read out all the stuff I'd written. And he was, my friend said, you've got a lot of stuff here that can make a show. And then we did like three different showcases of Becoming. Um, and sorry, the reason why it was called Becoming is because in 2012, when I released the album, the album was called Forever Becoming. Um, I wanted to call it uh, a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> but, but another friend of mine was like, no, there's nothing about you that is a work in progress that you're forever becoming. And I just took that. Oh, wow. Um, and so... I, yeah, I took it. And so that's how the album was named. But then when I started working on the, the show, I took off the forever and just made it becoming mm -hmm. because the issues in there are still unfolding. There's stuff about me or, yeah, that's, that I'm still learning about. Um, like, for instance, when I was growing up, I because of my uh, lack of schooling, the early years um I didn't think that I would actually go to uni I didn't think that I would do certain things mm -hmm. I was just very my mindset was pretty negative you know um and then as I got older I became a Christian and I started to read the word and I felt like I was being empowered by God to be more than I could see for myself mm -hmm. um and and as I took a step out on that journey, I became bolder. I became more sure of myself. Um, and it wasn't necessarily to do with, uh, it wasn't necessarily to do with um, uh, qualifications. It was just about being creative. And it was about knowing somehow that you're created for more. And I pursued that, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, I found the courage to, write the show because I felt like there's so much more to me that was untapped and because I didn't go to school I thought I mean when I was younger I thought that um it's only people that go to school from a young age can I just had this warped mindset mm. from not being um encouraged by my immediate family um and so yeah so my faith played a huge part in establishing my artistry 
Um, so even though I didn't think I could, with prayer and kind of talking to yourself, you just you just start walking the walk. Um, and then we developed the first part, we developed the second part, and then I had the courage to apply for funding. Um, by the time all of that stuff came together, there was a story. Mm. Um, and I employed people to help me uh, bring it to life. Yeah. And that's what you see. So last year I did an R&D, like a, a three-week research and development mm-hmm. to solidify what the story is because there's so much that I put down so much because my friend literally just said tell me the whole story and then we'll take out what's important and what's not Mm. and that was a point I started to frex I was like this is my story but there's so many other people involved in it and I didn't want to tell their story because I didn't have the license to To, or I didn't feel like I had the license Mm -hmm. to but I was only just trying to tell my story so yeah in kind of like a long way we arrived here at um at what becoming is now um four days at stratford circus uh yeah cool that sounds amazing just hearing kind of like the journey of that and stuff um brain um so my question Becoming absolutely like explores the black British female experience, um, particularly the kind of like black British Nigerian um, um, female experience. How do you think, how how do you think it champions the voice of marginalized women and how important do you think it is for black British women to continue to do that, especially within the space of theatre? Gosh, it's so important. Um, first of all, like women don't apply for funding enough it's Mm. like it's the one thing and most people say it's difficult um i'm not saying it's easy girl when i saw that form i said (laughs) (laughs) what what is this i just saw so many i said no yeah (laughs) no but i think i think i think those things are put there to discourage discourage you. you yeah and already as women i think we when we're not as bold as men mm. in certain respects. And I've I had to do lots of pep talks to myself to like even approach the whole funding thing. I think it's really important that we do tell our stories mm. because no one else is going to tell it for us. And for me, I've got two girls. Um, I think it's important for them to hear my story because mm. part of becoming that I kind of didn't get to delve into is a a cycle repeating itself within families and you know we easily say oh what happened to my grandma and and my mom and you know it's it's how it happens and I really feel uncomfortable with that because I think that um with every generation there's a task at hand and there's something that we get to change and unless we share the stories the the next generation are not going to know that I've already walked the walk. I've seen this happen. Mm-hmm. You don't need to repeat it. You've got your own battles to fight. Don't mm-hmm. be stuck on fighting my battles. You know, so I think um, the more we share our stories, there's different aspects of our stories. The African story is so broad because I'm mm-hmm. Nigerian. Someone else from Somalia coming into the UK will have a completely different um, yeah. out, um, outlook on it or different experience. So as much as possible, we have to get brave and share. I think culturally, it's not the done thing. Um, I struggled a lot um, with 
which aspects of my story to share. Mm. My mom came to watch the show on Saturday and, um, you know, she, she just felt a whole lot of guilt. And I, and I was saying to her that it's, it's, it's not about you anymore. It's this, this story has taken flight Mm -hmm. and it's the story of many other women. Um, But I think culturally she just felt like, Oh, if I could have done more back then, I wouldn't mm. have let you go and I wouldn't have. But even in spite of letting us go, we're here. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And so I think, I think, I think within families, I think one of the reasons why I wrote it is because I felt like in my family, we don't talk enough. Um, there are things that you we'd not not that we're not allowed to say it, but we just, you know, you know that that's happening, but you can't say anything. Say anything. And I find it weird because I want to get to the bottom of it. Oh, me too. And I'm literally end. like that. I'm literally like, okay, let's let's air this shit out. Right now. And like, mm, it's like, mm, you're too young. You don't understand. You, don't understand. you smoke that. Yeah. That's, mm. That word. Yeah. And, and it's like, no, but because we're living in the UK, you know, you have to be open you have to speak to your children. You have to ask them about their experiences. You have to come be on a level and let them know that you're human as opposed to, you know, keeping this kind of perfect look. Yeah. I'm the parent. I'm always right. You have to come to a level because mm-hmm. what they're experiencing out there is completely different to what you experienced in Nigeria, you know, and saying if you're in Nigeria, you won't be doing this is not even, it doesn't work. Because you're not in Nigeria, you're somewhere. Exactly. You're yeah, that's here. so true. Oh, you're not in the other country. You're mm. here raising. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important for us to share our stories. Um, I love the genealogies in the Bible. I love the fact that um, before the birth of Christ, it, it talks about the 14 generations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in our lives, we need to know where we're coming from because it will help us to know where we're going. going. Um, family history is important. Everyone's talking about, oh, you know, you know, black history. Some people don't even know who their great grandfather was. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you know, on a personal level, it's important to know who you are on a national level and international level. It's great. But, you know, when we have our cousins and our brothers and sisters, those stories that we share about our families are so important because that's where identity comes from. Mm. That's where that sense of belonging, that's where it comes from. That's that sense of, you know, this is, it's not just the food. Like some people think, oh, if you eat um, rice and stew, or if you eat, you know, pounded jam, that's not what makes you African. It's, it's, it's more than that. Mm. It's it's your, your, um, your history, it's the stories that, about your parents, about your grandparents, you know. I asked my mom, why did you come to this country? Because it was a brave thing to do. You left home, you left your parents and you came over. And I don't think, if someone told me to move now, I'd have a lot. No, but I got debt. Yeah. I got bills. <laughs> I don't so, know. So tied down. <laughs> yeah. But they did it and, mm. you know, they made something of it. Um, so, yeah, I just think that we need to share more of our stories, yeah. of our lives. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you said yeah. so much of what I believe about like the African migrant experience. Because like for me personally, I don't know if it's different in Nigeria, but when I'm in Zambia, mm. my um, relatives have no issue in talking ad infinitum about like our relatives, like our kind of ancestors. Like I'm named after 
um, my, well, I'm named after my father who's named after his uncle kind mm-hmm. of thing. And those are things you hear at the Finsman. And then my, my middle name, um, I'm named after my uncle. He was like, essentially this genius and there are people who like they'll hear and they're like oh you're my middle name and say yeah yeah, yeah no you're, this man was a genius and all that kind of stuff and it is very much like the thing you do is you keep that kind of family history alive, alive. um but there's something that happens when you come over here for example there's a lot of great kind of um women advocate women and girls advocacy work that my grandmother did, my maternal grandmother did, that my mom didn't tell us until like, it just kind of came out by accident. And mm. I'm looking at her like, this is the stuff that, you that we, we should have been telling us from time. In and this primary is the school. Stuff <laughs> that we, well, yeah, this is the stuff that we should know. Mm. And there is that reticence to tell these uh, stories. And sometimes it's not all, you know, traumatic mm. and difficult stories, but even the ones that are difficult, like, like, you know, my dad came here when he was, um, like 19 years old for the first time. Mm-hmm. And my mom came here and, and both of them have come here on their own at separate times. They don't right. have, even they don't have one story of coming here and staying. They've both come and gone and come back like me and my sister have. And there are times when like, it's it's not an open thing that they have done uh, in terms of like sharing that experience mm-hmm. of, of, of coming here. And yeah, it's really important, like you said, to not like reinvent the wheel and mm. fight the same fights that they've fought. Um, so yeah, I'm just so glad. I was listening, thinking this is so much of the stuff that like I believe is so important mm. for the African the African migrant story in the UK. And I'm so mm. glad you you brought this show and came on to our show as well to talk more about it. Um, yeah. I guess like my question, I think the final question of this yeah. interview um, is, uh, so we show the show in, in Stratford and... Certainly at our show, it was very obvious that I was a big Nigerian um, uh, contingent in the audience. And I was just I was just wondering, um, did you, obviously you said it was developed, it was developed right with the Stratford. Did you develop it with Stratford? Did you develop it they supported me. They supported mm. me in the, its development. They, yeah. they, I did a scratch. Okay. Um, I did a pitch two years ago yeah and the lady who runs um stratford circus was there and she 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 had said let's have a meeting yeah so she said what is this story i want to know more and so she gave us a week yeah following year to do something so i did um like a putting together r&d and then i did one day of sharing and then they invited me back again gave me four days um, two weeks rehearsal, you know, four days of sharing. And I guess that's just how theatre works. It takes yeah, long to, yeah. to, yeah. to develop. Well, yeah, all art does. Yeah. But I guess the, the meat of my question is, uh, is, is uh, if there are any future plans to bring this show back, is it for similar audiences like those in Stratford? Is the idea to take it to places with specifically high Nigerian or African migrant communities? Or is it something that you envisage uh, as kind of pe- penetrating beyond that demographic? I think beyond, because um, like when I did the TED Talk, the amount of people that came up to me and said that they had changed their names when they were in school, like grown people who didn't have the courage to change their names back. Because what one lady said, oh, you changed your name back to Ayodele, that I didn't, I couldn't, I've just bared this name and it's not my real name, but I wanted to fit in back like over 20 odd years ago. Mm. I wanted to fit in and she wasn't Nigeria. She wasn't African. Um, so I, I think that the story 
itself, even though it's kind of based where it's based, I think it is universal. I think that any mm. child of a mig- any migrant child or yeah would 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 re- it would resonate with them if you've been in a playground and you've been teased because of your name i mean mm. now it's kind of like polish kids yeah um yeah. and even though they look white they don't speak the language and they're being teased because of their names um anyone can watch it and just feel for the child that's that grows up in the show yeah mm. i've even heard like in in like not international migration. I'll be real quick hmm. of stories of like uh, Scottish kids moving down to London and then like losing their accent and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I know if my mum was to call me right now, this accent <laughs> that you're hearing <laughs> is not the one you hear on the phone. So even now, as a grown man, there are times I've picked up the phone in front of people who only know me sounding yeah. like this. And they like, particularly white people, because black people get it. Yeah. Put the phone down and they look at me with this like confused look and like, you just had a totally different accent. So, but that's yeah. the thing. It's the thing that we have to manage. Mm-hmm. Like you switch, you mm. just, you have your game on, like depending on who you're talking to or where you're at, yeah. you, that act, the accent comes through. Mm. It just, even me as well. Like Mine even drops with like the uncles and aunties at work. There's loads of like, mostly Nigerians, but a few Zimbabweans. Yeah. At my workplace, and when I'm talking to them, it just instantly goes. The accent just like it, it just. Oh hello! Because I'm one of you. It's like we're yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly exactly. But Ayodele, thank you so much for coming, and thank, thank you. you so much for sharing how your show came to be and your story, and and going into more depth into how became becoming I mean, became. became yes. <laughs> I like that little Yes, I, I, I love that. Mm, I love it, I love it, I yeah. love it. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, it's been our pleasure for, for real, for real. Yeah, so quickly before we wrap up, yes. um, a couple of sound waves. So you have a theatre I have a review. So last week, uh, as well as Becoming, I saw uh, A Ridiculous Darkness at the Gate Theatre. It is <laughs> one of the most hilarious plays I've seen in a while. So basically, it is a farce in terms of like the theatre genre of farce, not a farce as in like the colloquial usage. Um, so yeah, uh, that I mentioned that note because I think if if people don't like the farce genre or not uh, aware of the farce genre, they would not, it would just seem really confusing. For those who don't know, it's essentially absurdist theatre where storylines don't make sense, Narrative lines don't go anywhere because they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, the play is a takedown of, um, essentially a takedown of Heart of Darkness, which is a, a book about like colonialism and colonial guilt. Um, and the Heart of Darkness was adapted into, roughly adapted into a film Apocalypse Now, which tackles lots of the same themes. Uh, but it's four black femmes who are in the show playing white men and essentially looking at the ridiculousness of not having particularly particularly black female uh, and particularly black female LGBT voices told in these stories about the lands where these people would naturally live and come from. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's hilarious. It's deliberately mocking. It's deliberately, um, as the title says, ridiculous. Um the performances are outright funny and really, really energetic. It's a high energy play. Um, if you want something that tackles issues of quote unquote um, representation, but does it in a left of center 
funny way that isn't your typical everything's so bad we really need to be seen on screen blah, blah. it's important to you know say things in that way but mm-hmm. to do it in such a off tilt way was just something that I left thinking am I confused but the more I've thought about it the more I get it I wrote a full review which we're going to put up onto the uh, Twitter page but yeah a Ridiculous Darkness uh, <laughs> is at the Gate Theatre and that's running till the 23rd of March Hilarious, and I do recommend it. But stars. if you're not into fast, don't watch it. Stars easily four. Cool, easily four stars. Yes, yes, yes. And you have one more. Oh yes, the phlebotomist. So, um, this is I didn't see this one. It's something I'm planning to see with a fiance. Uh, it is um running at the Hampstead Theatre. I don't know until when, but it's still like sometime in April at least. Uh, and they've got ten pound tickets available for under thirties. It started starring Jade. Anouka, I hope I said that correctly, who was in Cleaning Up. If anybody watched Cleaning Up on ITV, she's in it. She was great. That's why I want to see it. The story is essentially in this kind of post-apocalyptic world. Everybody carries a card uh, that has their blood type and certain information about them that is available for everybody to see. Boy meets girl. Uh, Girl likes boy, but does boy have the right, you know... uh, information so it's essentially taking things like class and race and stuff like that but essentially imagine you had all your information there in a card that you carried around everywhere how does this world work how does it exist so yeah interesting concept definitely got an actress that i like and for the under 30s listening uh 10 pound tickets are available god damn it Mm-hmm. That's not fair. <laughs> I feel like every time I hit a benchmark age, that's it's when they're like, they change it. They change Everything's it. Like, done. Like, for example, yeah. like they've now introduced a national rail to up to 30. And I'm just like, well, where have you been all this time? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so this annoying. Not for you. You've so got annoying. some uh, film and TV stuff. Um, yeah, so quickly, um, I finally made it to, um, to the cinema mm-hmm. after uh, a long awaited kind of like period where I didn't go. To be fair, you were making a film. That's true. So um, you're excused. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, so I went to see if is it if Beadle Street could it's talk. Beale. You, Beale, Beale. Yeah, you said Beadle. I was like, I oh, what's like this? It feels like it should be Beadle. Um, if Beale Street could talk, is it could or can talk? If Bill, do you know what film you saw? What saw? Juliana. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Because you, you don't. But seem then to. I always have my own. If version Bill Street of what, could talk, yes. Okay, but I always have my own version. I like to kind of like throw in a little bit of glitter and there. Remixes. You know, what I mean? please, 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 fast, fast. It's now. just me. Um, but yeah, so I went to go see that um, over the weekend. I'm not going to lie to you. I think I had a, a stiff, a different storyline to what I thought the film would be about. Um, and I kind of watched it, and I was like, oh, so it, the storyline is there, but there was an attached storyline that I didn't kind of put to it. I don't want to give too much away. So it's like a love story. Um, but it's a love story that is kind of like is really lovely and telling and it's intertwined with like real life and you know reality and especially kind of like um I think it's based in the seven I want to say the 70s. 70s? Yeah the outfits look like they were in the 70s. Um and it's about kind of like the prison system especially for black men and how that affects the black family and how they try and navigate through and potentially get that person out of the prison system and stuff like that but also it really kind of like talks about love um obviously directed by barry jenkins who done moonlight um 
Ah, oh, it's so it's beautifully shot. The cinematography mm. is so amazing. You know, me as being once a director, I was like, oh my god, look at that camera angle. Oh, amazing. I was just like, ah, oh, this is so good. Um, I think for me, that's what I kind of took away from it. I think I loved, I loved the cinematography more than the actual story. Um, because maybe I, I went in there expecting something kind of like amazing and stuff like that. Regina King was really good. I don't know how I feel about the BAFTA win now, watching that. Uh, BAFTA win uh, or Oscar win? Oscar win. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, but we'll talk about that off, off camera. But yeah, that, I no marks. I just... No marks? No, no, no. No, no, no. No, there's no marks <laughs> because I feel like it's been and gone. <laughs> no, still. No, no, I haven't seen it yet. So come on. Probably six out of ten. Six out of ten? Yeah. Okay. And it's only six out of ten. I bumped it up to six out of ten because of the cinematography. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, Songs of the week. Songs of the week. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to start off with my song of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, Still staying on the Soka vibe. Because <laughs> that's what I do best. Um, My song is by, if I can get it, is by... Um, Marshall Montano and Motto. It's a 2019 soca tune that will be that has hit obviously the carnivals, especially Trinidad Carnival just recently ago. I'm very jealous of those that went. I was on Instagram being sad because mm-hmm. I was not there. Um, but this song is called um, It's a Vibe. Enjoy, guys. my soca tune that i'll be whining to a little bit later on in the afternoon well every day actually that's all i listen to so yeah that was my tune my song of the week yeah i've I've actually been hearing that song around the house yeah 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 the fiancees are caribbean woman so she's been playing that um also last week we were talking about uh the r&b playlist Mm -hmm. me and her put that together i was just like "Mm, my playlist no it was me and the fiance go go give her a shout out for that one um my song of the week so a few weeks ago, I found out that in the 70s, there was this huge um, explosion of rock music in Zambia. Uh, and this genre oh. called Zamrock uh, existed. I spoke oh, to my wow. uncle and my dad about it. I was like, this is the kind of stuff we should know. Um, and it made me so proud. And like, I was so inspired by listening to like, basically like psychedelic, I think psychedelic wow. rock from the 70s, but in an African voice. Some of yes. it's in English, some of it is in vernacular. This song is in vernacular. It's called Umwana Wakusanga Munganda by Fireballs uh, and that's my song of the week. Wish you let it like you faded it just after. 
Well, I didn't. Oh. Uh, and that's my. I, to be fair, I didn't know how long 30 seconds was, so I didn't want to chance it. Um, Let me just wing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my song of the week. Um, and if you've got Spotify, search Zamrock. There's a great playlist Zamrock. of it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like a mixture of psychedelic rock and traditional Zambian music. And I'm still very much getting into it. And yeah, I Wicked. love everything about it. So, Ayodele, your turn. Do you have a song for us? Um, I'm going to throw it back to a song that I got to sing in the play called um, Brown Girl in the Rain by Boney M. Oh, okay. Brown Girl in the Ring. Let's see if we can... I've got it already done. Oh, wicked. Wow. wow. Yeah, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, here's Ayodele's Song of the Week. Brown Girl in the Ring Tra-la-la-la-la There's a brown girl in the ring Tra- Like takes me back to like it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It really does. Yeah, that's another song. Living in the Caribbean, it's just, it's just there. Yeah, all the time. But anyway, that's our show. That's Woo! the end of the show. But before we go, where can everyone find you, Ayodele? I am on Twitter as a y zero d e l e. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on my website actually www.ayo-dile.com That would be the safe place Yeah Cool I love how you're thinking What can I give away? I can see in your eyes What do I want to tell you? Where do I want people to follow me on? Yeah Everywhere And then the professional You just jumped out Like a website of course I got a website Uh, Juliana where can the people find us? So you can find us on Twitter At Asom, um, sorry, Artistic SOM, um, Instagram, Artistic SOM Pod, Facebook, Artistic State of Mind, and obviously Spotify, Spotify, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Apple um, Podcast, so you can find us there, Artistic State of Mind, so make sure you guys follow us, rate us, review, share with your people, them, mm, and subscribe, of course, click that subscribe button. Where can they find you, Juliana? Um, and you can find me on Twitter as Jules. Montana 88 and on Instagram you can find me on my company name as Purple Knight Cole so it's Purple Knight C-O-L okay you can find me on I'm on Instagram now again Uh, and Snapchat but I barely use that and Twitter which I use a lot at Chama underscore K-A-Y that's it show done we out catch you next time peace guys bye